0: When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then, bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses over the Sabbath, because that Sabbath was a particularly important day. They asked Pilate to have the men's legs broken and the bodies taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man who was crucified with Jesus. And then those of the other man. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. Immediately, blood and water came out. The one who saw it has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may also believe. And we pray. These words are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Earlier this week, on Holy Monday, Our Lady of Paris, Notre Dame, was nearly destroyed by fire. I'm sure you saw it or heard about it in the news. The cathedral itself took nearly 200 years to build. Just imagine that, 200 years. And yet it only took a few hours to destroy much of it. Maybe, you've, uh, maybe it made you think of the hymn, Built on the Rock, the Church Doth Stand, of the Lutheran composer uh, uh, Grundtvig. Built on the rock, the Church Doth Stand, even when steeples are falling, Crumbled have spires in every land, bells still are chiming and calling, calling the young and old to rest, but above all the soul distressed, longing for rest everlasting. It's good for us to consider, especially today, what the church is, who it is built on, and how it lives. It was on the first Holy Monday, the week of the Passover, when Jesus went into the temple and found buyers and sellers there, whom he drove out for making God's house into a den of thieves. That was actually the second time Jesus had done that another time, also during the week of the Passover. For the Jewish religious leaders, church had become a business. The way it operated, the way it survived, the way it lived, was by following the practices of successful businesses. They commercialized it. Whether it lived or died was dependent on their effort. So Jesus makes a whip out of cords, drives them out of the temple with the sheep and their oxen, and he pours out the changers' money, overturns the tables, and he says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a place of business. Jesus' love for the proper worship in God's temple moved him to do this. And so the Jewish leaders responded, prove it, prove your love. And so Jesus answered with the way that he was going to prove his love. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. And their response It took 46 years to build this temple, and are you going to raise it in three days? But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. So here they are on Friday of the Passover, and they've destroyed the temple. Jesus' body has been mangled, tortured, whipped, scourged, spit on, hit, play, pierced with the crown of thorns, dragged through the city, nailed to a cross, given sour wine, and killed. But it's preparation day, what they called Friday. It's a day to prepare for the Sabbath. It's a day God had originally set aside for them, for the people, for them to rest and to receive what God provided for them, for them to meditate on all the ways God shows his love to them, in particular how God would send his only begotten son to save them from their inability to save themselves. But they made the Sabbath about their piety, their good work, or rather how good they were at not working on the Sabbath day. And so, while they are content to shrug off God's promises, they feel obligated to keep the law. For those who crucified Jesus, the church had become a way of life. The way it operated, the way it survived, the way it lived was by their doing, by their right way of acting, by their piety. And so, in order to keep the law, so they wouldn't be forced to do any work on the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the men's legs broken and the bodies taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man who was crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other man. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Jesus had already died. St. Mark's Gospel tells us that Pilate was surprised that Jesus had died so quickly. His torture was terrible, but physically it, it really wasn't that much worse than the other two men. The Romans had done this before. They were expert killers. So for them to be surprised at Jesus' death means that Jesus suffered something intense. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus suffered hell. On the cross, he cried out the words from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was suffering the abandonment from God. That's what hell is, the separation from God. He was suffering hell on the cross. That's the punishment that was required. All the way back uh, when God told Adam and Eve that if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would die. Eternal death, hell needed to be suffered. And so Jesus does it. He suffers what Adam and Eve deserved. He suffered what Pontius Pilate deserved. He suffered what the soldiers deserved. He suffered what Peter and Judas deserved. And he suffered what we deserve. And having done it, Jesus cried out, It is finished. This was the plan all along. His sacrifice was the payment for sins. Jesus is the rock that the church stands on. But many, including the chief priests and the Pharisees, the leaders of the church, reject Him. And in rejecting Him, they reject what it is that He gives. See, the church can't be built on them or their works or ours. Because our works and everything that we create with our works will one day be destroyed. Every temple built with hands, every man made theology will one day lie in ruins. We don't like to hear that, of course, which is the reason we crucified God. But Jesus, on the rock of Calvary, was the stone that the builders rejected, and he has become the capstone. For those who do not reject him, Christ has one more thing to teach us, even in death. The soldiers want to make sure Jesus is really dead. So instead of breaking his bones, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. Immediately blood and water came out. Now there's a medical reason for this, why the blood and the water came out. As Jesus' heart and lungs began to fail, fluid water would fill up in his chest, further restricting his lungs and leading to death. So in piercing his side blood, along with water, comes pouring out from his lungs. But St. John, who is writing the account of Jesus' death, wants us to know that this is more than just a medical thing. He says, the one who saw it has testified and his testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth so that you may also believe. And he says that these things, blood and water, along with the Holy Spirit, testify that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. From blood and water, the church is born. In baptism, we are buried with Christ into his death. Baptism cleanses us from our sins and gives us rebirth and renewal through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' blood, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. In his last will, Jesus gives us his blood, a New Testament for the forgiveness of all of our sins. In the Lord's Supper, we receive Christ's very blood, For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus' death secured the blessings of life, and along with life came salvation for the entire world. The wounds that those who crucified him gave to Jesus, the wounds that we gave him, the wounds that killed him, Jesus now uses to give life to us By his wounds we are healed The water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed are for sin the double cure cleansing us from its guilt and power From Jesus side his his blood and water the church is born The church is not just people. The church is not just a way of life. The church is wherever Christ's blood is received by sinners. Wherever water is poured on the heads in the name of the triune God. And wherever the gospel, the message of the cross is preached. Just as God fashioned Eve From the side of Adam, so God creates the church, the bride of Christ from his side. We are to Christ just as Eve was to Adam, bone of his bone and flesh from his flesh. As God took a rib from Adam's side to fashion his bride, so Christ gives us blood and water from his side to fashion us as his bride, the church. God took the rib when Adam was in a deep sleep, and in the same way, God gave us the blood and the water as Jesus was in the sleep of death. In holy baptism, we have died with Christ to rise again with him from the dead. In holy communion, Christ united himself with us to give us his life-giving blood. So this is how the church operates. We baptize. We partake of Holy Communion. And we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified not because we don't like Easter, but because here in the crucifixion, we have life. Baptism joins you to Jesus' death and resurrection. Baptism makes this personal. This is for you. So no matter what you have gone through this year, baptism has made you new. Baptism has given you new life, a rebirth. Jesus calls you a soul distressed to rest everlasting. And until then, Jesus' body and blood strengthens and preserves you. The church lives, you live By Christ, by water and blood. And because the church lives by water and blood, that means nothing can prevail against it. Sin is dead, guilt is gone, the devil is defeated, even death has lost its power. No matter if cathedrals burn to the ground, the gates of hell will never prevail against Christ's church because the church lives by Christ, by water and by blood. The church is born of Christ. The church is built on the foundation of Christ. The church operates through Christ. The church dies in Christ. And the church lives in Christ. Jesus' temple has been destroyed. But in three days he will raise it up again. This is the message of the cross the message of our salvation. These things are all God's words, and they are all true. They are written so that we might believe and be sanctified by them. In Jesus' name, amen.